Hey listeners, before we get started, I wanted to share with you a brand new podcast that you might be interested in. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. This podcast is about all things Atlanta Braves baseball. They talk about roster moves, potential trades, game recaps. Now this may all seem cliche for a sports podcast, but they also include a special segment each week where they talk about controversial topics using only stats and logic and no bias. Controversial topics such as which Braves player should or should not be in the Hall of Fame, why your favorite player may not be as valuable as you think they are, or how certain players you may not like deserve more love. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. You can currently catch this podcast. See what I did there? Catch this podcast on Spotify or on Anchor.fm. It's sure to be a hit. Hey there, listeners. I have two questions for you. Are you living long and are you prospering? If you answered either of these questions, have we got a book for you. The Balkan Guide to Coping. This best-selling one-page book will tell you how to deal with emotions such as love, fear, sadness, joy, grief, and even repugnant. Let me read just a short sample straight from the book. Chapter 1. Just don't. When dealing with emotions, just don't. Isn't that great? So freeing and cathartic. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what others had to say. James Shatner said, Was a quick read. Dr. Leonard Spock said, Short and to the point, no earpod intended. And if Forrest McCoy sent us an email back saying, I'm a doctor, damn it, not a bookworm. So if you need this or think a loved one could use it, call now at star date 47622-1701. That's 47NCC1701. Uhura is standing by. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Season 2 of the Above Average Joe Show. And today we've got a very interesting guest, especially if you love CGI, IT, any of the computer side of film. Um, Our guest today is Peter Stolmeyer. Peter, how are you doing? Hello! I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Above Average Joe. (laughs) You are welcome. Um, Some of the stuff you've worked on, Peter, let me see if I've got most of this at least. Um, Odd Life of Timothy Green you've worked on, Vampire Diaries, The Change-Up, Necessary Roughness, um, the Atlanta Zombie Apocalypse movie, Joyful Noise. Um, a Medea Christmas, which you've got an amazing story for that <laughs> that we'll share later. And we'll also share later from Necessary Roughness. We've got a story from that. But what we're actually going to focus on is a lot more interesting, at least in my aspect, because I like to nerd out on this stuff too. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about some virtual reality stuff and working on 360 and volumetrics. But before that, I want to ask you about a project that you worked on called Lucidity. Okay. Explain to our listeners, what is Lucidity, and how did it work, and 
how does it correlate with film? Man, it's been a while on Lucidity because uh, I was about to tell the story. And I'm like, well, 10 years ago, 10 years. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, I was working an OK job that was That's um, back when we had flip phones, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I I'm the tech guy, man. I had a uh, smartphone in 2007. I wasn't playing. Oh, wow. But yeah, everybody else had a flip phone. <laughs> so I was um, I had a job that was paying me pretty good, but it kept letting me go and I would have a lot of off time. And I had a house that had a, a lot of stuff in it because my uh, in-laws are hoarders and we inherited the house from them. And so I decided to build a spaceship in my basement. So I built a spaceship, and I did this standard angry reviewer, internet reviewer thing for a while. I did about 10 episodes of that. And then I converted the whole thing over to an actual spaceship sim. So every console actually worked the way it was supposed to. So there was one for navigation, one for communications, one for science. And I thought, well, this would be an interesting TV show if I could make it work. So I gathered a bunch of people together to actually fly the ship with a captain and I threw scenarios at them and they had no idea what was happening and they had to solve the scenarios. Kind of like Dungeons and Dragons with all the dice being controlled by an AI is what that show was. Oh, wow. I beta tested it and I called my good buddy Joe over uh, to come help. And we did good, I thought. I had fun with it. Well, we were playing for about 15 minutes, um, if I recall correctly, because you were running a little bit late. And we were just running through the scenario, and you got here. like, oh, Joe, great. Grab the weapons console. Do you remember doing this? Yes. Because it's pretty classic. I love the weapons console. (laughs) And you didn't know how to do it. So you were loading up the torpedoes and unloading the torpedoes, and you said, let's fire it. And you fired the most important, the the biggest weapon, a nuclear (laughs) missile, directly at the civilian station. And you blew up an orphanage. And then the captain, because we were rolling with it, we wanted to see what would happen. So the captain had to talk down the mayor of the system uh, from blowing them out of the sky, just talking about how, oh, we thought there were demons there, or <laughs> he's under training, it's fine, and actually managed, if I recall correctly, to talk him down before I launched every fighter in the in the system at you. <laughs> it was full of little hellions, I could tell. <laughs> it was great, though, because it was like, shook, boom, and everybody stopped and went, what did you do? It was a good shot. It was a good shot. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, you ran the beta of it, and then we, uh, I brought in like seven cameras. This was ten years ago where it was harder to connect them all and recorded each one individually of a different crew with the same scenarios. And I, I actually finished the first season, but I never actually edited it because of the next thing that we're going to talk about. But if my website's still up, if you went to wackomedia.com slash lucidity, you'll see um, all kinds of photos from it, including a photo from you, at least one photo from you, uh, <laughs> looking badass in your weapons console. Oh, that all of our photos that we took that I saw just looked all badass. Yeah. The whole group of us looked amazing because you had, you had decked us out from like head to toe also in gear on top of building this spaceship, which looked mm-hmm. real and it... It looked like the Starship Enterprise. It looked exactly like the Star Trek bridge that we were all on. It was pretty amazing. Well, being such a hardcore Star Trek nerd, I have to go, well, actually, it <laughs> looks more – well, uh, it's it's obviously Star Trek-based, but it does look more like every once in a while the Enterprise will meet some schlub. Like Neelix on Voyager was one of those guys. He's just some dude trying to get – make ends meet that's what it looked like uh, <laughs> part of it was purposely made to mean look like it was made out of space junk there was a, a whole lore to it and basically the bridge was um basically welded to the side of the ship because the ship was nothing but engine and there wasn't enough room so um the guy that built it just welded a crate to the side of the ship and that's what you were in nice 
But that also brings us into how you got into working in virtual reality and 360 mm -hmm. and volumetrics. So, Explain all of that stuff to us because that's already over my head just saying those words. <laughs> <laughs> so back then, um, while I was doing that job that was on and off again, I was working with somebody there, and, and her name's Annie. And I would be reading about the newest stuff, and VR was one of them. Because I'm into simulations, that's what the Lucidity Project was. It was a simulator. Um, I thought my career was going to lead me into more video, more more acting work, more special effects work. That's where I thought I was going. So I was using a simulator to record something, right? And I would tell her every day uh, when she would walk in about what the newest VR news was. She was the only person in the office that would listen to me. Everybody else would go, uh-huh, <laughs> whatever, okay. And she would go, oh, what's happening now? Uh, for people who do know, this is right around the time that the DK1 from Oculus was kickstarted, not not bought by Facebook, not formed into a company, kickstarted by this one dude, wow. uh, two dudes with some duct tape. So she kept hearing about this new stuff, and she kept getting interested. And then finally she said, hey, let's make a company. This company's not listening. No one else is listening. You're right. This is the future. Let's Let's try it. And that was, oh, man, October of – I want to say 2014. Uh, that that was, and that was right around the time we wrapped on filming Lucidity. And I basically had a choice: I could continue to edit that, the the show, or I could start learning how to use the engines, the 3D engines, and become a developer inside of Unity. And I chose the latter, taking a chance on my friend and business partner. And we've been in business for five years. Oh wow! Five and a half. Congratulations. Now. Oh, thank you. So okay. yeah, uh, my, my I feel bad telling your listeners that I gave up on acting to go do this <laughs> other thing. But at least I can say that it was a good gamble because we're doing fairly well and we're we're continuing to do well. And you can use some of that for film eventually too right. because a lot of the CGI and stuff is going to start heading towards mm -hmm. using virtual reality. And we will – in my opinion, I think eventually we will have these virtual realities that will be movies that we can star in at yes. some point. Um, I'm absolutely sure about that, and the kind of things that we could talk about, we could break each thing into five different parts. But uh, for starters, what I'm doing right now on a regular game engine really is the future of special effects in film. They're already starting to use it, uh, but usually it's for pre-production. It's not for the final. I'm saying that what I'm doing is going to actually be in the final, where you're going to be interacting with virtual characters that you can see – and we're going to capture that information in real time. So we're not going to go in and – like if you're if you're fighting a Gundark, right, we're not going to go in and add the Gundark later. It will be the one captured inside of the engine. This is something I do already, but the graphics aren't quite there for movies, but we're getting there. So the graphics will be there for movies. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is volumetric capture. That's something that we did for a Super Bowl experience that we did when Super Bowl was here in Atlanta last year where we were able to capture a person from literally every angle and use some algorithms to photogrammically put it all together. So I had a perfect representation of Jerry Rice talking to our, our guests, and that is still a little bit low res. But soon it will be high enough res that we'll just put it in. That way you'll be able to capture actors from every single angle. They'll be able to do their lines, and then if you decide you want to do it from a different angle, you just literally move the world. Keep the camera in the same place and move the world so that you can get it from that other angle. Wow. Uh, that's, that's all definitely happening because I'm doing it right now. That is insane. That's like the Wachowski brothers when they first came out with The Matrix, but now mm -hmm. you've like a hundredfold. <laughs> It is a lot like that, actually, because they used 120 still cameras to grab one instant of time. 
now they're video cameras. So I'm using 120 video cameras in order to capture everybody from every angle. I should mention that's not a service we provide. That's just something that we implemented. We uh, worked together with uh, uh, Georgia State on that one. Uh, they have the facility, and then the client hired them, and then we were there to help direct a little bit, and then we took it and put it into our engine. Now and that's completely blowing my mind that that's even a thing. I never even uh, thought that would be possible. Yeah, it's it's totally a thing. I know that they've used it at least once in a in a show. It was something like Supernatural or something like that, where they really needed an actor in the shot and they couldn't get him there that day. So they volumetrically captured him and then inserted him into the shot. Um, the problem is that it has to be a shot where he's far away at the moment. The closer you get to this capture right now, the more you can tell it's a capture. But if you do it from about 20 or 30 feet away, it looks just as high res as the real thing. So I know they snuck one guy into a show, but it, it, soon it will get to the point where we're just capturing everything volumetrically, and then we're just going to go back and edit it however we want. But even 20 to 30 feet isn't that far away to not tell that it's not a real person. Right. Yeah, because it's a good distance. Yeah, it is a real person. It's only when you get up to about six feet that you start to see the pixelation of his face. Yeah, you, you can tell that he's he's low res projected onto a mesh. Um, but yeah, it's getting there and it's going to continue to grow. Again, anything that anything I can do, Hollywood can do a hundred times over, right? As I'm sitting here and I'm working on consumer parts, so that's why I'm so confident. I can say uh, virtual sets. Um, Real-time capture and volumetric are all going to be a standard thing. No more than 20 years from now, it's going to be the standard way of doing things. So they'll be filming on holodecks, yep. essentially. <laughs> yep. Holodecks where the actor can see it, too, is totally going to be a thing. That that gets us to holodecks. That was the other exciting thing. Um, I've never had to do all these ideas compressed so quickly before, but if you ever watch Star Trek Voyager, they do a lot of hollow novels where they have an experience inside the holodeck. Yeah. That's very much possible today. I've done all of that. I've done all the Ready Player One stuff, and that's going to become a thing as well. Where did you also experience. build one of these in your basement? Yeah. Of course I did. Oh, man, that's insane. <laughs> I have a company now, though, so I get to build it in my office with my employees. <laughs> but, yeah, everything that you see in, in the movie Ready Player One, with the exception of that projected hologram thing where he's, like, talking to Sorrento in his office, Yeah. that's Hollywood magic. That will never exist, but all the VR stuff does exist. For example, when he's running uh, in every direction on an Omni treadmill. Yeah, that's a real treadmill. They didn't build that for the movie. They just rented it from the company that makes it. It's called oh, wow. Infinity. I have one that's uh, that doesn't have any moving parts. It's called the Virtuous Omni. We just got it the other day that lets you run in every single direction. Uh, you never have to stop. VR has a technology has existed this whole time, but it was very difficult to implement. And the thing that actually made the biggest difference is smartphones, because if you take your smartphone and you put it up to your face, you'll notice that it covers both your eyes. Um, one screen covering both your eyes. So if you put a lens on it uh, to magnify it, boom, you now have VR. Before this, back in the 90s when they promised it, um, LCD screens were really expensive and the lenses were really expensive and the graphics card was really behind on making all the graphics. All of this is trivial to repair now. So that's why you're seeing it all of a sudden show back up again. Smartphones combined with high-end graphics cards are letting us be uh, generate what we need as fast as we need it. This is overwhelming. <laughs> I'm glad you understand it. Hopefully our listeners understand it. I understand yeah, the concepts, but I'm just trying to think of like how you would even start to build these things blows my mind, which makes me think you're a genius. 
Well, okay. Now that's the message to deliver to uh, fans of this show who are, who are <laughs> entrepreneurs. They're 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 doing the extra work because they want to they want to get in and they want to do this stuff. So that's the message to deliver is that you can do it. Um, a lot of the software is free. You have to pay if you're going to make a game. But if you're not making a game, you don't have to pay anybody. So you can load up Unity or Unreal. I, I prefer Unity. You can buy a set for like 20 bucks, a completed set, and then you can put things in it and you can animate them today. Uh, we have a, uh, a capture system that lets, uh, that lets us animate and walk around. And so one person could animate every single person on the, on the set and could make their own TV show, um, look however they want today without having to ask anybody's permission. It'll still wow. look a little video gamey, but that shouldn't be a stumbling block if anybody's listening to this and going, yeah, man, that's what I've been wanting to do. Uh, you actually can build it uh, today if you try. I'm looking forward to anybody who does know what I'm talking about and says, oh, you oversimplified that. You didn't mention the frame <laughs> rates. You didn't, you didn't mention this or that. And you, when you said this, I, I took it to mean that. I'm looking forward to that email too. <laughs> well, hopefully everybody understands that this is just a quick overview and not a detailed, in-depth session. In <laughs> which if you want more information, you can obviously contact Peter. We'll get out his social medias and stuff at the end of the show. But before we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about your love of being a Trekkie and your recent experience with the Picard show that just came out. Yeah, that was crazy. So I work uh, – I do, I do Star Trek stuff, and I, uh, I like running conventions – or not, not running them. I like being part of conventions when I can. So I've been working uh, with my friend for the last couple of years at, at DragonCon doing the Trek Trek because I like Star Trek and I like conventions, and so we were doing both. And the person who runs that is Garrett Wong, who was uh, Ensign Harry Kim on Star Trek Voyager. Um, so that's how I got to meet him. And coincidentally, I decided, um, you know, I, I've never been to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. I think I might go just as a trip one day, but I can't imagine going and not working something. I got to I gotta have some <laughs> purpose when I go to these shows, right? Yeah. So my friend Leo mentions it to Garrett, and Garrett says, oh, I have a booth. Uh, you should come and help me run my booth, which most people would be like, oh, work. But I'm like, oh, no, that sounds great. All the Star Trek fans will come to me. Right? So I <laughs> You get don't to, have to find them. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to find this, this cool uh, Captain Proton costumer. They're coming to see Garrett, meaning they're walking to me, and I get the picture, and that sounds great. And we had a wonderful time over those five days running running that booth. Um, it was it was it was a great exchange, uh, but it wasn't Garrett that got me to the red carpet. While I was there, I met some other Star Trek fans. Somebody I had been talking to online, but had never met. Uh, his name is Michael, and he is big into community Star Trek. He believes that promoting Star Trek out and about is is important to people. That it helps it helps people express themselves and learn and things of that nature. So CBS came to him with it, and they said, "Hey, we've got we want the fans to be on the red carpet. Uh, can you gather some fans? You know, that we want a, a nice group of fans, not just your not just your friends, but like." We want to represent the fandom properly, yeah. and uh, and I happen to be one of them. He was like, "Oh, I, I know, I know, just a guy." So um, I ended up being invited to the red carpet just because I know a guy, and that <laughs> guy is not a, a, a star of the show. Yeah, I was able to jump on a plane and fly down 
fly all the way from Atlanta to California and end up on that red carpet and 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 hang out with with Patrick Sir Patrick as as they call him. <laughs> um, and the best part was after we did the red carpet, they randomly assigned us our seats, and my seat happened to be front row center. So oh, wow. I got. I got so much Star Trek Picard in my brain, I couldn't see <laughs> on the. Um, it was so big that the entire show wouldn't fit completely in my vision. But that's the way I like to watch shows. Like <laughs> so we got to watch the first three episodes of Picard a month before the first episode came out. Oh wow! Yeah, that was cool. And then you got to actually meet Jean-Luc Picard in the flesh. I did. Um, that was the first time. Sir Patrick, when you go to these cons, um, Sir Patrick is not the kind of guy to stand behind a table and say hi to you. He'll do the the fan gatherings where he'll come out and he'll just kind of tell a story out in front of a th- 2,000 people. So since I got front row center, he was standing six feet from me, right? And so <laughs> had no choice as he was looking around to keep making eye contact and do the nod thing to me because I'm really the only thing he can see. It's dark in there. <laughs> I count this as, as as my interaction. Yeah, I got to meet Sir Patrick, and I got to meet the showrunner Alex Kirksman, I believe his name is, because they did the presentation so close to me that basically they were doing it just for me. And then, yeah, I met some <laughs> behind-the-scenes crew as well. The people who designed the new uniform were talking to me about what I did as a makeshift uniform because I was wearing the Picard uniform that day, yeah. and I made a couple of, um, of non-canon choices because – like the parts aren't available for example the com badge and the suit we didn't know it had um a whole bunch of starfleet deltas on it when the trailer came out and so he noticed that he was talking to his colleague and then we started a conversation about uh why you know short notice man i didn't know i was going to be here and about why they made the choices and why i made the choices and yeah it was it was a really good day for uh for look at me i'm i'm over (laughs) here talking to cbs all access that's awesome. And so let's go ahead and get things wound up a little bit here. And we're going to circle back to the movies that you worked on. <laughs> oh, boy. Because you have some incredible stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start with Necessary Roughness. That's a, that's a great, hilarious story. Yeah, so for, rest, for all of these um, shows, whenever they ask for volunteers, I'm like, yeah, I'll volunteer. Not because I want to be in the movie more, but because – what am I? What am I doing? If I'm, you know, you're on the set for a long period of time, um, you might as well do something else while you're there. Yeah. So I'm always. I don't care what it is. They could be like, please gather up all this trash. I'm like, sure, whatever, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'll volunteer. And they wanted um, to paint people uh, with hawks. I don't believe the hawks is a real team in Necessary Roughness. We have hawks in Atlanta, but I believe this is a different sport. Yeah, I think it's a fictional sports team that they yeah. use. But they wanted super fans, so they chose me and a whole bunch of other overweight white guys to uh, to be big fans. And they wrote on my on my stomach, "Go Hawks!" So the the G and the O were across my nipples, and Hawk was across my belly. <laughs> I can't remember if they shaved my belly or not. I'll have to go back and look at the photo. I cannot remember that part, but they painted it on there. And then I was out in the sun for the rest of the day, and I started getting sunburn. Uh, at one point, they did see it and they noticed it, and they came over and they they rubbed the uh, um, lotion, the suntan sunscreen, on as best as they could without smudging the Gohawks uh, on my belly. And then we went out there and I did a little dance as we walked by. Yeah, Gohawks! Made sure my <laughs> belly shook and stuff. And then when I got home, I washed it all off and I found that I had been sunburned, which is no big deal. <laughs> but everywhere 
but where Go Hawks was written. <laughs> so I had Go Hawks imprinted on my stomach uh, because the rest of it was red, and then the rest of it became tan, and the rest of it became normal, and the Go Hawks was still clearly visible. I mean, <laughs> clearly visible for at least six months. By the end of the six months, you could barely see it, but you knew it was there and you could see it. So people at work, uh, Annie being one of them, uh, my business partner, at the old office was like, is it still there? Let me see. And I would lift my shirt. You could just barely see <laughs> the box part of it. So, yeah, I got branded with that for a long time. I have a photo of that, which I'll, I'll, I'll pass on to you. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll totally put that up on our Instagram for people to see. <laughs> and then you also worked on a Medea movie, uh, Medea Christmas, which is also a very, very interesting, hilarious story. Yeah. So with that one, they said, we're looking for carolers. Uh, age this to this, uh, uh, everybody welcome, submit your photo. And by the way, when I submitted photos back in the day, I would just gather a costume together real quick and snap a photo with my phone. I found that was, I found that's the easiest way to get a call back. If you do too, too shiny of a picture, if you do too like professional of a shot, they, they, they'll, they'll wonder if, if you're not going to try to become the star of the show or something. Yeah. So I always found kind of a rough and dirty photo with the costume works really well. So they, uh, so I just put on some, you know, westerny Georgia stuff uh, for winter time, and they were like, "Yeah, you're perfect. Please, please show up at this time on this day." And I do, and we're waiting a long time, and then finally they come out and they go, "Okay, I need you, 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 and you to please come with me." And we all get on the on the bus to drive somewhere else. It was me and about 25 other guys, I think. That's when they broke the news that we were not carolers. <laughs> but that we're members of the clan, <laughs> the actual KKK. And we're about to go drive and we're about to go put on our ropes. Oh no. Oh no. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we, we drive over and we all put on our clan costumes. And the joke is uh, Medea shows up. She's looking for directions. She opens up this church and inside is the clan. And we all turn around and stare at her. And she goes, oh, my God. And she jumps in her, in her car and she drives away and her feet are sticking out the car. It, it did take all day, but the joke in the movie is like 20 seconds long. And she did all those stunts. So if you go back and you look at that clip, you can see it. Uh, what you won't see is me because I made sure <laughs> to take a seat all the way in the back. <laughs> was that on purpose? Oh, yes. I didn't want to be there. It was it was actually pretty close. Like, But it was pretty close for me going, I'm sorry, I, I can't. Because I, I had the thought at the time I was like – oh no, at least the mask will protect my identity. And I'm like, that's not a good place to be. Like, if I'm glad I'm wearing the Ku Klux Klan mask. So yeah, I didn't want to be there. Uh, but, but you know, I am a professional and, and we're doing this thing. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 did, I did look and kind of see where the camera was and chose a good place to sit. Unfortunately, it was in the back where, where Mattia comes out. So she swings the door open kind of close to me, but I happen to be like one seat over from... Uh, from where the close-up is on her. So I'm pretty sure I got away with it. <laughs> they had to give me another robe because I bumped into something that had grease on it and I had a black streak running across my mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could easily pick yourself out in the crowd then. <laughs> well, normally I love to pick myself out in the crowd. I, I love finding myself in these spots. Uh, on, on my own Plex server, I have every movie that I've been in and I put myself on the cover like I'm the star of the movie. So I have all these movies where I'm the star, but Medea is not one of them. Because <laughs> I'm like yeah, I'm the back pushing an elevator button. Like that's the shot that's on the poster. But this time, not so much. I I don't really want to find myself in that movie. 
Well, thank you, Peter, for all of your info and hanging out and everything. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been such a great time catching up with you. It's It's been a while since we've talked. Yeah. But we also have other links we need to share with you because Peter's got some social medias for you to find him, contact him, friend him, like him, follow him, all well, the fun I, stuff. I'm a Twitter guy, so my, my main one is just uh, twitter.com slash wackomedia. That's where yeah, you're most likely to find me. Um, I, I, I just watched out the Facebook because I, I don't really use Facebook all that much. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to contact me, it's uh, twitter.com slash wackomedia. Cool. Awesome. Everybody go ahead and give Peter all the tweets and all the love. And we will see you next time on another episode of the Above Average Joe Show. Bye. And thank you again to our special guest, Peter Stolmeyer. Be sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitters, and look us up on Spotify, Stitcher, and or iTunes. You can also check out another podcast I co-host, The Extra Unordinary, and some other great media content by Moon Possum Productions at moonpossum.com.